We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 405 of the Win 6 podcast, presented by Prize Picks, proudly part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and join me as always. It's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? It's all star. It is. It is. I'm doing well. It is kind of good to not have Bucks basketball regularly in our lives for what? a temporary state. Can't believe it. I don't think I've ever right. heard you say that. There was a time, oh. I, was it the start of this season where you were actually, it was, yeah. We, neither of us were overly enthusiastic at the start of this season. I definitely was not enthusiastic to start the champ post championship season because I was yeah like, you just you wanted the NBA to be finished forever you were like they've done it they've completed it it should all stop but I don't I really still don't think you've ever quite been like that no I I think I've I've gotten to the point where I can say that it's just nice to have a little break I think the players needed it does that mean <laughs> you're looking you're looking forward to the break being over though. Oh, eventually, because then I'll be like, I want to watch a game. I want to see them conquer this beast. But eventually isn't an option. Like, it's coming back Friday, whether you want it or not. 
That is true. On free over the air television, no free ads. Is that the but, first uh, the first game? First year? game it will be at nine o'clock on Friday. Um, As yes, a nightcap, hopefully <laughs> not not giving the entire state of Wisconsin nightmares. Yeah, let's hope so. We are here to talk with the Milwaukee Bucks, who are thirty-five and twenty-one. Three and seven over their last ten. Not exactly thriving in the Doc Rivers era so far. Um, there since we last did a regular win and six, we of course had a crossover episode around the trade deadline last week. There's kind of been the ups and downs of where there was that brief moment where it was like, oh, this is it. Look at this team. They figured it out. One big win, one good team. Here we go. And then, like, the wheels came off immediately again. Um, I, I, It's easy for me to say now, but I was saying it privately to people at the time. I was not getting carried away with that in the slightest, and I felt what happened was probably always what was most likely to happen. I just don't think people can get too up or too down on a game-to-game basis. This book's team, this book season, is not going to be like that. But as you so... So rightly pointed out, Jordan, we have had a break. We've had a few days with no books basketball, even though there have been some books in action. Uh, most notably of all, Damian Lillard. Kind of like the focal point of the 2023-2024 Milwaukee book season, which mm-hmm. that is not a title that anyone would want to have right now but it certainly belongs to Dame. Giannis's production has meant he's the best player, but Dame is defining the season so far, for better or for worse. And I guess fittingly then, well, into All-Star weekend. Yeah, once Adrian Griffin got out of the picture, it was like, okay, let's fix this guy too. <laughs> I still think it's, I still think Dame is the, once Dame came into the picture, Adrian Griffin was less important overall. You know what I mean? The whole yeah. thing was different. Um, the vision was expanding, you know, to a slightly different place. Whether Adrian Griffin was going to be along for the ride or not. So it feels like the season of Dame. He certainly made All-Star Weekend his own. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, you know, competing in the the dunk contest, which was probably good for, for him. I mean, no <laughs> one should want to be associated with that. Honestly, I didn't watch all the festivities. There was a time where I used to love All-Star Saturday. I saw some clip of what I guess is now the skills challenge, where I I only saw like a minute, right? It was Trey Young. God, who else was it? Shay Gilders Alexander was. It would have been the All Stars with Trey. So is it Trey Scotty Pip? Scotty Pippen. Scotty Barnes. Barnes. Yeah, that's right. Tyrese Maxey. Correct. That was the three, where they were just heaving up half court shots. Ah, what this clip was a minute, and they finished without me actually seeing whether they ever made the shot. They could still be there for all I know. They uh, yes, they uh, they have not left Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, yeah, altogether, the skills challenge was like them on the court for like 45 minutes. Like, that is who was on the court the most. Like, like, that to is... play mousetrap? I don't know. Stick a fork in that. That is 
still in its current form. They've you never. Need... They've always had three point contest and dunk contest. They've never had like a. I guess the skills challenge is has been the third for a while, but it's never felt like. Yeah, let's keep going with that. It's like this is you can improve on this. You don't have to throw it in these big. I don't. I have no idea what they're just trying. Half to court for. shot is just like, I understand. Dame proved to be, you know, the example for it. I'd be like, oh, we could do that. These guys can make this shot. They also sometimes cannot make the shot because it is a half court shot. And yeah. it, it gamified as part of this is not. Does not make sense to me. Anyway, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent on that. I know no one else has been weighing in on the NBA All-Star product. So I I would hate to break break the ranks and be the first, <laughs> Jordan. Um Dame did become a back-to-back three-point contest champion. That's something, you know, for you as a books historian. The second, books have, one. second one, the books have not had the richest of histories in that event, certainly not recently. In many ways, books history has got a lot richer of late, but that is an area where it had not until this moment. Um, the irony, of course, being that Damien Lillard's shooting is not what books fans would have <laughs> hoped it to be, but he goes to All-Star Weekend and that certainly turns on his head. And then... I mean, he ends up on the winning side, which is maybe the most important detail in the All-Star game, considering that Carl Anthony Towns had 50 points on the other side of things. But Dane drops 39 of his own, including 11 made trees, including a couple of just... I mean, they were all ridiculously deep pull-up trees, nearly. Um, But the two at half-court were quite ridiculous, even by the standards of an NBA All-Star game and of the kind of players that were in the mix. And I guess you do all that. You're the top scorer on the winning team and you go home with the hardware. So Dame comes the second book in a number of years to pick up the All-Star game MVP. I don't need to tell anyone listening to this Milwaukee Books podcast. The last time a book did that was Giannis in 2021. And the books went on to win an NBA championship that year. Jordan, what you saw from Dame Lillard this weekend, does that lead you to believe that history will repeat itself and the books will, you know, be parading, not just with Larry O'Brien, but with an all-star game MVP trophy in the months ahead? My answer is, I don't know. (laughs) That that feels like like a cop-out. Is it is it I, real? Is it to, like? I I feel like I know what you're gonna say, and I certainly know what I'll say in a minute. But I gotta ask the question anyway. He obviously has had a very positive weekend. Does it change anything? Does it matter? Do you believe that it can realistically be a capitalist, or is this just something? Really, as everyone has been saying, that the All Star Weekend is at a complete remove from everything else NBA. It's off in its own plane of existence, and we shouldn't consider it as having any bearing on real basketball activities. I <laughs> I would like to be optimistic because I've seen a lot of Bucks fans. I've seen a lot of you know carrying that line of thinking, and I think it's. 
I would come down on this. This is classic Tresky, if I can use my surname as third person. Uh, lots of people do. I mean, it's <laughs> you've done it often enough that people can refer to things in that vein. So carry on. I feel like if Davey Lillard starts playing better and hits a higher clip of shots across the entire court, I think it is independent of what he is doing or did at All-Star Weekend. Because to your point, I watched the first half of the All-Star game. And then I realized the colossal mistake. That what I are you did. doing with your life? Is that the kind yeah, of realization? I am, yeah. And I'm not I'm not here to get on my soapbox and be like, let's fix the Ulster game because I don't think I, that is I hate to tell you, this whole podcast is your soapbox. Thank you. Um no free ads for any soap companies. No. No free ads. Um I just think to <laughs> seeing Damian Lord hit half court shots, which he has done regularly. As in Far more, far more than the average human being has ever done on planet Earth. I'm not going to be like, "Hey, Davy Lillard, start shooting half quarters." <laughs> let's keep, let's get that a key focal point of the offense. That'll get you going. Yeah, you know I mean, like that is not what. It's not. I mean, at what point though do you just be like, "Hey"? <laughs> You see pretty wide open on those shots. You look pretty comfortable. Yeah. I don't, I just. How far think, off are we from trying some stuff and seeing if it sticks, Jordan? I don't know. I don't know what Glenn's got on his clipboard. Like Glenn maybe. Rivers might have got some ideas on the side. He might have drawn up the plays. He might have been like, this is a perfect low stakes opportunity for me to it's get true. my guys cooking. Dame, I think the most efficient shot from you. Once you get to that line, you stop and you pull up. If that's the case, then Bango has a real shot to get on the 15 man roster. Give him a two way. He could hit, he could have half quarters not even facing the basket. I was going to say, that might be the problem is that he, he can only do it backwards. Getting into position while dribbling, being careful maybe not to just slightly step over half court, then maybe you're at risk of, of backcourt. You know, it's anyway, we can, we can debate Bango's prospects of getting on the roster maybe in a week or so depending on still things, an open two way. things pick up or not um i mean his shot has not been there to a really surprising way where it is tough to not just be like well this can't hurt yeah i just think the whole problems are probably a lot deeper rooted than just individually Oh, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. Now he has it. Like, I I just, it's possibly about the books. It's possibly about the group of guys he's playing with and how all of that just isn't meshing together. And we might now have a second man on the sidelines who's playing a part of that too. I I don't, I don't know. I look, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to see a book go to All Star weekend and. Be successful and be the star of the show. It's, I guess, a reminder if it was needed as to why you trade for Damian Lillard when he becomes available. It's because, yeah, even at a gathering of all of the best players in the league, he is the kind of guy who could stand out above them all. Just feels like 
we're quite a way away from that. He has to deliver in real games, but that will be more contingent on other people in real games um, yeah. than it necessarily is on an All-Star weekend. Now, it's kind of tricky. Like, uh, part of me also feels it's like when we talk about what it's like to watch the books and we talk about, you know, being glad of a, a break where this team aren't playing every couple of days right now. Like, it is representative of that, that a book won the three-point contest and was the All-Star Game MVP. And it just does not move us anymore. I mean, uh, there are people... It be. Yeah, but now we're on... It's Monday. Are you moved? I well, moved. What, what but... extent are you still moved? I don't... I think people are just too busy waging the war on the All-Star Game and then realizing what it means and the age of 2020. Well, it means nothing, and it's honestly... <clears throat> I I would have to... I would have to listen to people older than me to what extent it ever meant anything other than... Or when did it stop? What it still does. I, I've definitely... I've talked about this before. It's not like it was the first time I was, like, locked in and focused and was like, I'm going to watch NBA. But definitely one of the first encounters I ever had with NBA was soon after Space Jam came out. Like, you know, caught the Michael Jordan bug and I want to see more was I remember uh, recording overnight on a VHS. God, what year is that? It was probably 1996 All-Star Game? Maybe something like that. Space Jam When did Space Jam come out in 96? I bet it, it that was mm, kind of March ninety seven. Okay, ninety seven. Ninety seven All Star game it would have been. No, ninety eight then probably in that case, given the date. Um and I remember recording that and watching it the next day. And again, I uh, I had a greater distance from the NBA than probably the vast majority of people listening to this. But like what was it to me that was interesting about that? It was that all the stars were in one place. Like, that's the only, the only thing that ever really mattered. It wasn't about, well, to what to what extent were they competing? How much did they care? Like, it's very hard to put the amount of pressure and scrutiny on the NBA season proper and then say to these guys in the middle of it, now forget all that stuff and the fact that you were going to be judged for your entire life based on whether you deliver in the course of this season or not and go out there and put on a show in this exhibition that means nothing yeah i just you can't have it both ways and i think that's if there is a case for oh the all-star games got worse got worse it's drifted from something it once was and then trying to play the blame game to me it just boils down to it has got less important to the players as the scrutiny on winning, on the scrutiny on game to game in a regular season of being in a position to go and win a championship has got greater. Like that's that's where the all star has kind of faded. Because what do you want from these guys? Like seriously, well, it's also just, you can't work both ways. You can't pretend both things are equal. You can't expect guys to be out there like it's I don't know game seven in a playoff series when it's. When it's not, and the stuff that they actually get paid for, and the stuff that's like going to define their legacy is going to take place over the next four months. Like, it's just, it's unreasonable and unrealistic to, to think you can capture anything akin to what I think a lot of people still kind of romanticize and mourn 
the fact that we don't get it and look to blame people. I I don't really blame Adam Silver for this. I don't blame the players. I don't blame anyone. I mean, if anyone is to blame, it's the way that everyone else has locked in on the NBA on a day-to-day basis throughout a regular season and how the weight of winning a championship is greater than ever. Because all that just feeds into these guys don't have the luxury to... It's like if someone's out there playing like a maniac and then they get hurt, everyone's going to be like, what the hell are you doing? It's the All-Star game. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it's a lose-lose for players. Well, also, the, the other thing too is we look at All-Star level players. A lot of them, if you're not, if you're an All-Star level player, there's a greater chance that you're a superstar level player. Those players are playing with one another on a nightly basis. Bucks are obviously in that category. Looking at the rosters, there's <laughs> Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. That's two all-stars on the same team. Julius Randle, I know he didn't play last night, but he was an all-star with Jalen Brunson. Not necessarily like superstars, but that's on the same team. Like they're clustered with one another. Clippers had two. Lakers had two. Timberwolves had two <laughs> two players Sixers, on the same team. Sixers would have if Bede wasn't injured. Suns had two. Um, Shay and Luka Doncic were the only ones on the West team and Steph that were not accompanied with another All-Star. Yeah, I mean, like, we are seeing these players play with one another. So it's not that it doesn't dampen what it would like, what it'd be like to see Giannis play with someone else that isn't Dame Lillard, who's an All-Star. But I do think that it does play into it that the concentration of of you know having two big names on your roster or back in the day of big three, I guess you could say that with the Suns in the case, but like it's gotten fewer and far between where you could say like, oh, you, it's just this one all-star. It's like, no, these guys are playing together because these teams are going for it. And that's what they've been told matters the most. It's also, you can't try to police, like, you can't try to police rest and yeah. try to drive players to play more and more and then also be like, and you gotta, you gotta be playing in the All-Star game like your life depends on it. And uh, yeah. there were some interesting quotes from Adam Silver about, I guess, in part, the return to East versus West was to simplify this because he said he'd received comments from some players that just... the the showiness of All-Star Weekend had got too much. It wasn't fun for the players. It was even more draining. They're expected to be a part of drafts. I wonder what players that was. I can only think of one guy who's been involved in every draft. Am I right on that? You'd be correct. Like, there are very few All-Star captains. LeBron? Giannis did it three times. Giannis? KD? Yeah. Who am I missing? Am I missing anyone? I don't think so. So I thought that was interesting because they're the only they're the only people who've really been involved in the draft element. Uh, so when Adam Silver's saying that, then it's I guess a shorter list. But I think a lot of that makes sense. Like people talked up, oh, the entertainment value. That's fine, but it's very short-lived and very disposable. What you get out of Giannis and LeBron drafting live on TNT, like it's not. 
Yeah. Like, oh, that would be fun. It's like, yeah, it's fun. Then it's over and it literally doesn't matter. And those guys have had to do that. And I think US versus rest of the world is possibly a way to get this a little bit of extra. I don't know. I don't know if that's the kind of juice we wanted to get. Do we want like, you know, Europeans being thrown to the floor as a raucous building chance USA, USA, USA. You know? So we want like a Brookline Ryder Cup scene, but it's actually a Pfizer Forum in a, <laughs> a couple of years' time. I I guess ratings would be better. I guess it would certainly make something more entertaining. Maybe we see that. I don't know. I just think it is a tough thing. It's it's tough to care about. We do have a mailbag question where we'll maybe circle back to some of this. I just kind of think it's tough to care about because we're being told to care about so much and to care so deeply about so much over the course of a season. And there's just a limit. It's like, yeah, you have 82 games and then a pl and your playoffs be like every game is so intense it matters and then be like, and now the IST. I thought too. Yeah, each call by its proper name. Uh, the but Emirates NBA Cup. God, don't don't put a sponsor from the Gulf in there. That's just inevitable. Um, moving on from All Star, but also not moving on from All Star <laughs> because Glenn Doc Rivers, um, he he had no coach of this game. I I actually I was it was only when Joe Prunty was coaching um on Friday night I was like yeah what the hell did I miss something why is Prunty not at the big seat which I obviously did miss some detail of that I don't think um, it was said out loud I think there's <laughs> no way I'm so was I not the again. only person who was like what the why is Joe why is, Pr is Prunty double is he doing both games a sicko. And then it's like, no, Doc is doing media. And Doc, I was going to say he didn't really want to be there. <laughs> I, there might be a few places we could say that about right now. I don't know. Um, things have not been going great for the books under Doc. That would be an understatement. I genuinely don't think that's in any kind of toxic way. I, I do think it's different from the Adrian Griffin, you know, final days. But it has not led to an immediate turnaround, and that's not ideal. Um, final game before the break, the Bucks lost to what's a really quite bad Memphis Grizzlies team. And Doc, after the game, said, quote, first play of the game, we gamble for the 50th time in the corner. Guy drives, we have to help, leads to a tree. On our set, two guys forget what we're running. Then we miss the shot and nobody gets back. That's how we started the third quarter. That tells you all you need to know about where our heads were. We had some guys here. We had some guys in Cabo. It's certainly a interesting quote after 10 games. It's one way to go about it. Um, You've been coaching I, the whole time. <laughs> honestly, that first line, Doc, I mean, you've seen this team play before. Because that is exactly the kind of stuff that's driven us all crazy for years. Gambling for the 50th time in the corner. Guy drives, yeah. you have to help open tree. That is Milwaukee Bucks basketball, baby. You can't 
you can't coach that out of this team. They wouldn't have any identity left. That's when, when things are good, when things are bad, it doesn't matter. That is like one of the constants. So that was how Doc, you know, set the table for All Star Weekend. Uh, and he came out with an interesting quote once he got to Indianapolis. This was reported by Aaron Weitzman of Fox Sports NBA. Quote, taking a job when you're about to go on the toughest road trip of the season is not the smartest decision. I even told them, can we wait till All-Star break? You know, it would have been a lot nicer. This is not the place for nice, Doc Rivers. I don't know what to be telling you about the Midwest, but it's certainly not a place that's about nice. Um, what are your thoughts on Doc, and I guess the slightly accelerated cycle on this, because even when this came up, I remember having this conversation, you know what, I'm not sure if it was on a pod or if it was privately, but having this conversation with Ty, um, before Ty became a convert, you know, before he was baptized in the rivers of Glen, there was a conversation about basically how he just throws his players under the bus. And my repast to this was, yeah, that happens at the end, but it's not like that immediately, right? The beginning can be okay. Like, guys don't hate on at the beginning. It's actually quite the opposite. Now, does this mean that we're closer to the end than the beginning, Jordan? Or what is going on here? What is your what is your action to the way that Doc is already talking about this? Um, but maybe more so than... I'd like us to dive into the idea of can we wait till All-Star break? Um, I don't know how I've... I don't think I could really articulate my thoughts on Doc because I just think it's not... I think the circumstances of how he got the job and the points that he alluded to, or not alluded to, that he spoke to, of accepting the job and then going out on the toughest road trip of, of the season to date. And just the kind of, I don't know, just where the team was at, where it's like they were, again, we, we'll we talk about it to death and it'll be remembered in the in memoriam section when we look back on the 2023-24 Milwaukee Bucks season. But how things did not appear as they looked in on paper of this team was 30 and 13 or 30 and 11, whatever it was at the time of Adrian Griffin's firing. And they went to Doc Rivers to not just be a caretaker, but no, you had the job. We You were going to be the man to fix it. We needed someone to fix it badly to repair whatever is not clicking in the way that it is. And I it's not that I I don't think it's a it's not that I have a grace period because if we have that I just think that kind of you it, that is a little bit of bury your head in the sand. You know what I mean? But I just it it's it's that the blame isn't gonna ultimately be on him. I mean it's you said before like the failure of this season it's going to fall on other people. 
Yeah. Yeah, because you can't overlook just the fact that they the Bucks started with the coach that is not Glenn Doc Rivers. So that's where I've kind of been at. And I, I think after that Nuggets win last week, and I would still say that is probably the best victory of the entire season thus far, even more than the Celtics one, just given the circumstances. But I did, I did, I easily talked myself into. They have turned the page. That is the kind of game that I've been waiting. Can I, to can see. I ask genuinely? Yes, like just really genuinely, because I, I didn't want to talk about this with anyone. I thought everyone, I just could not believe my eyes. I thought everyone had lost their mind. What, what, based on one game and considering the season we had, would just be enough to do that? But yeah, it was. I mean. I guess part of that is that's happened now and one one really strong performance against a good team will not be enough next time to convert people on it. But like was there something there for you that you feel was rooted in I don't know, something deeper felt or even something rational or is it which I couldn't I couldn't blame at all, just you're you're desperate for hope. You're just like, please. I think that is a large. I think that is a large part of it, but I do think there is a level of focus, execution, defensively. They had did things that they really haven't done in uh, one single game all throughout. That I was like, they. It feels like they have figured some things out. But, again, that is also tied with the hope that just, please, God, start winning more often than not and returning back to the blowout bucks that we knew and loved until the playoffs started. I just think if the playoffs were single elimination, cool, I could, I'd bet on the bucks the whole way. Like, as bad as they yeah. are now, I'd be like, yeah, I can still win because they do have the players, and on a given night, they can beat any team in the NBA. Um, really central to the problem is the fact that they just can't look coherent, cohesive, or co- consistent night to night. Like, that's... Yeah. To get me believing in them in a really meaningful way, you're going to have to string wins together. Danilo Gallinari, baby! We'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. My one thing <laughs> I'd say on, on Doc... I, I am with you in that it's not his fault, but also if he is going to say things like that he asked, can we wait till All-Star break? He was fully aware of this was this was quite a job he was walking into. He did right? say that in his introductory press conference too. So at this you can't it like it's not about that you're gonna get the blame, but you can't kind of I feel like you gotta be a little bit more patient. I feel like you gotta be a little bit more patient. Um, you can crack heads together behind closed doors. Shaquille O'Neal was calling for that this weekend. Yes, he was. Um, Shaq in a post All Star Game interview where Damian Lillard came and joined the the TNT panel said to Dame, "I've been in the position you're in before. You and Giannis are being too nice." When it don't work out, three people are going to get blamed. Doc, you, and Giannis. 
You and Yano's got to make sure the troops get it done. No reason with Doc being there. Y'all train seven. When you get back, grab people by the neck and say, this is what I need you to do. My one problem with that is Damiel Lillard might be the person who most needs to be grabbed by the neck and be told, this is what I need you to do. I don't disagree. And and like, Dame was like, yeah, yeah. He actually, he did look like he was taking it. I, like, there is merit to what Shaq is saying. I remember a very early part in the season. I think this is something that a lot of people have started to talk about and kind of come around on. And it, it might be the one positive element that I can like fully just stamp and be like, yeah, okay, well, Patrick Beverly's going to help you in that department. We had a conversation way back early in the season where we just decided, like, this team is soft. Yeah. And the reality is they've always been soft. PJ Tucker came in, he helped that, and maybe just that in the mix was important enough to get you over the line to skew things a little. But at the same time, honestly, if you're playing as good as the books did for a lot of time, you can get away with being soft. <laughs> yeah. When, when you're not, when you're not a team that's going to have 20 point leads, you know, two out of three nights a week, then you've got to have an extra gear in you. You've got to have, you got to have that dog in you, Jordan. And that is not there. These guys are soft. And like I say that, honestly, in some ways from the top down i don't think Giannis is soft in terms of his his mental strength or his work ethic but i still do think there is something about the way his leadership can be conveyed to the court it's not something where you're stereotypically going to go oh yeah real strong leader that's the guy who's getting you in line that's not unusual for a superstar a lot of the time it does take role players to do that like a pj tucker like a pop beverly now but I do think that is an issue here. Yeah. I don't think that's as simple, though, as Doc kind of calling them all out in the press or Shaq being like, here's what you need to do, and then it just fixes them. Because, I mean, I think some of those guys are some of those guys. And that's it, it would just seem much more productive to me to try and work out, let's get this team playing the kind of basketball they used to play again. And honestly, as as the starting point, I if I was the head coach, if I was Doc, I like all right. Uh, last few months haven't been good. How about we? How about we work on some bud ball, right? How about we get to that as a base? And I mean purely as a base because these different coaches at a different time. That team's not the same again. But can we rediscover something and then build out from that? Because the reality is that's what your off season's for. That's what preseason is for. And, I mean, they ended up firing the coach early in the season. So the way you built out from that was wrong, did not work. You're now in a spot where you need to build again. You don't have time to build again. What are you doing? I unfortunately feel like I did when they made this decision. I think they've made a massive mistake. And it's not necessarily because Doc Rivers is the wrong coach for the job. But I just think they wanted a real experienced coach to come in and take this job. They wanted Doc to see out the season. And to get Doc out of ESPN, you got to give him years. And they've given him years. They've given him a ton of money. I guess the same thing applies as when we talked about the hiring. If it doesn't work out, hey, it doesn't matter. Just go and pay the man his money. Yeah. 
we're nearly up to like what we forty million, fifty million in money owed to coach. Seven million owed this year, I believe. Like that is that is something that we've talked about before. We don't need to go through it, but that can have a knock-on effect, and that can become you know restrictive in other areas of the team. I don't know if they thought it true, and I I said it to you privately, but when I see that Doc Rivers quote and his response is, "God, this is a really tough road trip. Maybe it would be smarter if I didn't take over to All Star break." Like that's. That that's the sage advice of the person who's been around the block. Like he's not wrong. That's that's the kind of you want that kind of insight. And the insight he was giving the Bucks at that time would have made me stop and be like, he hasn't won until then. That's another ten games down. Maybe we just give it to Pronti. Maybe just give it to Pronti. And as much as I think this is like a, maybe part of this is the optics of it too, not to be seen to be punting on a season. Like we're spending, we're bringing in a big name, high profile coach. Ultimately, this could prove to be more of a punt than some of the lower profile routes they could have gone. We'll see. There is still time for it to turn around. Let's hope that Dame's All-Star weekend can translate into something meaningful. Mm -hmm. A lot of work still needs to be done here. Uh, we will talk about Danilo Gallinari in a moment. We will then move on to the mailbag. But first, Jordan, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player slap projections and watch the winnings roll in. Right now, it's demon time on prize picks. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000. Jordan. When the books return to NBA action on Friday against the Timberwolves, what types of entries will be catching your attention on Price Picks? After the All-Star game in the three-point contest, I think I'll be looking for Damian Lillard to continue his hot shooting and checking out the options for his three-point picks. Go to prizepicks.com forward slash Eurostep and use code Eurostep, that's G-Y-R-O-S-T-E-P, for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's prizepicks.com forward slash Eurostep and code Eurostep for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Jordan. The Bucks' big remaining move proved to be Danilo Gallinari. They were not left a whole lot in terms of options in a more traditional big man vein. Uh, This doesn't work for me, really, honestly. I mean, he could be good. He solves nothing. In some ways, the better he is, it's not impossible. The worse the books could be. I just, I don't, I don't see this at all. And when it comes down to it, I don't know where his playing time will be because I just don't know how it's going to work out. This, like, this says real, not in the moment, but the, you know, the hindsight of a Nikola Miritich or Marvin Williams style signing. Um, but much more Miritich than Marvin Williams in terms of profile. I'm just, I'm not sure. I don't, did you, we haven't discussed this at all. Did you feel any better? Um, I do think it was odd. I, I do think, though, one can't not see the connections to Doc Rivers, which is another thing after Patrick Beverly. So their two most recent roster moves, uh, I should say big roster moves, as in in terms of their 15-man roster, have involved with players that have played under Doc Rivers before. They know what they're kind of getting into. And the thing with all these buyout signings that I kind of over time – like we've seen Kevin Love with the Miami Heat. That is probably one of the best buyout signings of all. I mean, he's still on the team. It, it, it has extended his NBA career. Not that he was going to be out on, you know, retiring or even, uh, la- you know, being in free agency for very long, but it has extended his playing career in a very real way. He was on an NBA Finals team last year, as we painfully know about. But more often than not, buyout signings, those type that type of impact is very seldom. It's one every three, four years. Like there, there are very few guys that come in in that sense and make fill out a, a real rotation role right away. Not not that injury strikes or anything like that. They're a team bringing a buyout guy and saying, "Hey, we're going to give you playing time." That is our way of luring you to come to Milwaukee over what Danilo Gallinari, I think was exploring going back to the Clippers per Pat Bev pod um, or any other kind of contender that would have probably uh, vied for his services considering, you know, he's a veteran and to give him credit. I mean, he's got their two ACL tears and still, he still has NBA shooting qualities and, and things that he can offer. But for what this team needs and what they have sorely lacked all all season long, I don't know if 
Danilo Gallinari as a connector in the sense that, you know, defensively, I mean, we already know what he is. He's not the same athlete that he ever was, and he wasn't necessarily a plus defender to begin with. But does he bring the kind of qualities that connect a locker room that surely needs to kind of kindle up some chemistry with one another? I don't know. I don't. I don't see that being I don't think possible. I don't I, think he does. I don't. I don't the, think he, he's the, never had that reputation. I mean, I'm not saying he's he's never had a reputation as being a bad guy either in any way. But I, just, I will say he has until this year. He's always played for good to contending teams. I know. I just don't love that qualifier you added there, which good. is no until this year, which is entirely true. Like, but. Yeah. He's 35 years old, and yeah, this year he's not playing for the good teams, and he's not even playing that well for the not good teams. And now I don't know. He's got he's a seventy, a seventy-nine point nine true shooting percentage. It is ninety minutes with the Pistons. What about his time with the with the Wizards? Uh. I mean, he's a turnstile at this point defensively, to put it kindly. I mean, that's... Uh, He was never never much more than a turnstile is best on the defensive end. Um, What used to make him so valuable was that ability as a secondary tertiary score later in his career. Like maybe his last great season was the year the books won the championship that year with the Hawks. He was really good. He shot the ball really well. Into the conference finals too. Came off the bench. He's I, always been, he has been a guy. I've always liked him. I've, liked I've him always too. liked And to your point, the Bucks, whether it's been going back to Mirza Toledovic or Nikola Mirotic, Marvin Williams kind of kind of, but you know what I have a prediction. I I think there's going to be a Marvin Williams parallel. In terms of... I think he's going to retire at the end of the season. Oh, I think that's very much important. I think that's where we're at here. There's not a whole lot more you can do, but also this was not a spot to get yourself in. And did was he ultimately signed because he's one of Doc's guys? We say that as if that's something that Doc's guys always want to like rally background Doc, and I, I just don't get it. I really, I'm really struggling, honestly, with most of the decisions that John Orson has made this year. The one that I'm not struggling with is trading for Damian Lillard, even though the reality is that might be the one that was so drastic that it set all the other ones that are not quite as ideal into motion. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't see where the minutes are going to be from. If he's playing, Bobby is out of the rotation. And that's even harder to do because you didn't get a backup big. Like there is, there is a case that Bobby should be playing a whole lot less or that you may have opportunity to not play him. Um, but the roster is now not set up for that at all. Yeah. I, it's really, really grim. What if Brooke Lopez gets injured at all? I'm not saying this as if Robin Lopez was going to like solve any problems in a meaningful way, but 
you've just you have not got real size. That's not like Brooke is having his best season either. Like it's Oh, I don't know. I do I don't want to kind of tip my hat to one of the, the mailbag questions coming up. You know what, Jordan? Let's go to the mailbag. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's let's not worry about it because it's the very first question. From a James Ontario 12, who do you think is more beneficial to a closing roster at their best? Galinari, Bobby, or Jay? Um, I think I have been a very noted skeptic. Well, honestly, I think I'm now officially a very noted skeptic of all three of these players. Um, but Arguably no one more so than I was at Jay Crowder coming into this season. I'll be honest, Jay Crowder has not done enough to move me on that front at all. No. But he is the clear answer to this for me. If if we're trying to talk about this team works it out and what does like a good closing lineup look like against a really good team, come playoff time, I don't think you're gonna have Gallinari or Bobby Portis in it. Unless it's literally the final play of the game, you need a tree. Like, you're going to have Jay Crowder for his ability to show any kind of, you know, defensive smarts and effort. I, and that's where it comes down to. It doesn't make me feel any better because I, I just, Jay, what he showed last year was kind of enough for me. Um, yeah. But I, to me, that's the clear answer here in terms of the path to the books winning games against real teams when it matters. You're not going to have Gallo or Bobby Portis on the floor. No, they're they're unless if they got it rolling offensively, more so Bobby than Gallinari, but he can cook still. Um, Jay just has a utility as a defensive piece that even if he's shooting like crap, which he has been since really coming back from injury and those minutes have been ticking up. That is easily more to, you could talk yourself more into that than, you know, Hey, this guy's going to take away from kind of the real bread and butter that we want to develop between Giannis and Dame. And then when Chris comes back healthy, you know, having it all trickle down. So yeah, I, I, it's easily a J for me and, that is also worrisome. <laughs> like it just it has to be. I don't. I think that the greatest concern there is there isn't like I. I don't think it's a credible argument to be made to the counter. Um. I don't know. I'll be. I'll be in uh, Danilo Gallinari's neck of the woods next week. I can go talk to some of his people, find out what what the roosters got left. He'll wake you up sometimes. I, I sure hope so. Mm-hmm. If the rooster isn't waking us up at this point, well, it's going to be sad. <laughs> From uh, Aplunder, should the books do whatever it takes to get game to get Dame going, even if it means less than Giannis's usage or have him playing more off ball? Maybe, but also Giannis has got a pretty good thing going, and I don't think Giannis is the problem. It's also not like Dame is not getting any kind of opportunity. No. I mean, if Dame was just, frankly, playing better, he would look a lot closer to who everyone has known him to be for many years. Um, I think some degree, 
of give and take. I think Giannis would be fully on board with that. But I just wouldn't want to offset that too much because if Dame doesn't find it <laughs> and you're taking the ball away from Giannis, well, this team is really doomed in a completely different level. They could just lose every night. Um, They, they don't have the kind of the margin for error the moment in in their game to not have Giannis be playing like the MVP um, and still kind of for the team overall to be struggling. So I am tempted to say yes, because honestly, Dame getting going may be the make or break element of the season. I just don't know what is going to get Dame going or if that is going to happen. And that doesn't mean like that next season he won't kind of look right and that it won't like I think that's very possible but none of the kind of circumstances around this year for him have been ideal no. and it, it really tells on the court yeah overwhelmingly and to your point it's not like I agree it's not like they haven't just said Giannis handles the ball and Damien gotta figure it out it's like look at splits over months Damian Lillard's usage is kind of hovered around the same marks. 28.1% in January, 29.1% in February, as low as 27.2 in December when he was shooting the ball the best out of all, you know, in the year. So to that point, it would be ironic that it would be the less he's handling the ball, the better he's looking. But I, I do think it's just there's no one size fits all response about how to make that click and to make Damian Lillard, you know, the biggest bellwether and, and how this, the rest of the season goes kind of find, find his shooting, figure it out. And it may all of a sudden just come, it, he may be have the same shot profile that he's had the entire year or the way that he breaks down defenses or whatever. It may not even, involve Giannis to begin with uh or as much as we think it will but I I don't think there is just this like hey you do this he does that you'll figure it out bing bang boom like there's something more to the surface of of Dame trying to get through what has clearly not just been a period of adjustment but hell a season of adjustment than what he's been used to from our trust in Horst am I just becoming older and more jaded or is this the worst NBA regular season in a long time 80% of games league wide feel like blowouts and in theory I should be loving watching Damian Giannis but so far I'm not enjoying the books as much I'm barely watching other teams I mean for the books part of that yeah in theory we should all be loving watching Damon Yannis, but Damon Yannis in reality have not been fun to watch. <laughs> um, like, this version of the books has not been fun. I am definitely older and more jaded, but I would largely agree with this, but i immediately flag up that I am not at this point a general NBA fan who is going and seeking out games every night and is really going to get excited about what's happening in, I don't know, uh, Thunder Timberwolves game. I'm here for the books, and that's 
very much the prism that I'm watching is true. And it's been miserable. It's been miserable. Honestly, from the start. Hired the wrong coach. He never got it going. Wasn't good from the start. We're in a place where, like, you have to give him benefit of the doubt. And then they bring Doc Rivers in to a bad situation where I just think the prospects of it just magically fixing itself are very slim. And it's even l less enjoyable for the fact that it's it's as bad as it is and you're watching Damon Giannis because that just feels cruel because how can it be unenjoyable? One, to watch Giannis. Anyway, like this is the least enjoyable season to watch the books for quite a while, even though Giannis is playing exceptionally well. Like in the moment, everyone is everyone watching the books. Well, I don't say everyone. Books fans watching the books are certainly appreciating him. But if the season carries on as it is, it's going to be something of a lost season in the arc of his career in terms of what stands out. And it won't be because of his play at all, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I often think, you know, to extend the kind of conversation we had earlier about All-Star Game and to extend that to the NBA, I... I don't buy that a lot of the time. I think when the NBA is painted as having problems, so much of that can be applied to almost anything else. And such as, you know, life in the 21st century and the challenges of anything that was once bordering on something, you know, monolithic and monocultural. The NBA might have some problems, though. I don't want to. I don't want to open a can of worms here, because I know this is. Uh, here, this has been a hot button topic, right, Jordan? Taylor Swift goes to NFL games now. Some people really like that. Never watched the NFL before. Now they're watching all the NFL. Some people really hate that. This is not the sport for Taylor Swift. This is mine, right? I think the net kind of value of that is undeniable, though, in the positive, in terms of just, like, that is that is the epicenter of sports and pop culture. Yeah. It has been the NFL this year. It's, it, it is kind of dumb and wild because it is in large part fueled by events that are outside the NFL. It's literally, it's two people's personal lives which are none of our business, but you got one of the best, the most famous football players in the country. I mean, it's just a national game you've got there, but it will say in the world, right? I mean, it's not really true, but we'll, 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 for the we'll sake of it, Jordan, we'll allow it. Um, and you've got one of the most famous people in the world generally, and, you know, certainly undeniably if not the biggest pop star and I'm pretty sure she's the biggest pop star she's like top two right it's like Taylor Swift and Beyonce this is the level of people that can just command this level of attention and I'm not saying that <laughs> I don't know the NBA needs Taylor Swift to um, I don't know fall in love with Dante DiVincenzo 
Because imagine the storm that would be, Jordan. Knicks basketball, Taylor Swift. Ooh, we'd have takeoff. Um, but I, I do think there is just something representative of the unshakable position of the NFL. Then actually getting a boost and a kick forward. And honestly, a gateway into an audience it never would have reached otherwise. It just through this like weird quirk of fate. Weird quirk yeah. of fate that is two people falling in love or a government psyop. Who can say? But I do think it is somewhat reflective of something that all of the juice is elsewhere. And I don't know how they grab that. And maybe that's part of where Adam Silver is like sighing well, as he pretends that you know the all-star game was great to watch and great for for his league and their product but i i don't know where and how and when because even in theory the things that everyone will say and they may not be wrong will get like the casual fan in be like oh we need like a a laker celtics final let's imagine a laker celtics finals somehow became possible and happened this year the people who watch that, who don't normally watch, would never watch again because they would see the Lakers get torn limb from limb in humiliating fashion by the Celtics. <laughs> um, maybe this boils down to not telling the story of your star players well enough. I think that's generally done pretty well, though. I think there's sometimes there's just something, some things just happen to elevate people into a different stratosphere, and I think. We've seen in the NFL an example of how that's played out and the knock-on impact of it. Does any of that make sense? I probably shouldn't have taken that detour. But I do just think something is off with the NBA, but it's it's off with the NBA in the same way that it's off with like almost every single piece of sports and pop culture. There is very little in the world that is not in some kind of decline. In terms of these things that like are established and have histories and people are invested in for a long time. But like most of these things that were once unimaginable as not being at the center of everything are in decline. I say this as like Mr. Movies. Like it's it's as kind of obvious there. <laughs> but the, the truth is it's the same applies for music, as big a star as Taylor Swift is. Like, what's the trickle-down effect of who gets to be that level of famous in the world of music anymore? Same would be true for, uh, maybe, maybe not. I was going to say it could be like true for, for literature, for the written world, but I don't know. Maybe like TikTok has given authors a new wave of life. Does that balance out in a way that's meaningful enough? I would say probably not because I would take a guess that as much as it might help compared to recent years, there are a lot of people who don't read at all because they just spend their time on TikTok. Um, I, I, it's honestly, it's true for nearly every sport. I have a podcast about movies. I have a podcast about baseball. Like these are ongoing things. This has long been true for baseball. Um, <laughs> I guess it's true for the NHL, although it was always starting from a much lesser position in the first place. But you only just get more insecure with that. And even in sports where it doesn't happen, like the NFL will always have its questions, its issues. Soccer always has its questions it's issues it's like it's it's a runaway train i mean it's not stopping anytime soon but the train isn't quite what it used to be does anyone want to be in anymore does the train has the train got a soul 
train does not look like Thomas the Tank Engine anymore, Jordan. No. So, <laughs> I just, I don't know how you solve some of this. We've got a lot of stuff competing for our attentions. And I don't know if we need to be as invested in the NBA as we were even five years ago, six years ago, ten years ago. I just think the world has changed. I think the NBA is making, honestly, a greater demand on people's time than is reasonable. And in a way where it's accepted in baseball that virtually no one except Andrew Snyder is going to watch 162 games a year and all the spring training. Uh, maybe maybe that's just because I'm in the NBA sphere and I see the kind of people who will watch 82 games and they will watch, you know, they're watching tons of teams a bunch of times. But I, again, I think that might be something about how it's built up and about how Adam Silver kind of wants to frame it because this is the stuff that gets you to do CTV deals that have transformed the league. But there is more of a feeling of they want to pretend 82 games matter and that they're important. But then when the playoffs come around, it's all like that actually doesn't matter for anything. And now it matters. And that's all just such a tough balance. How can the 82 games count for something if once the playoffs start, they don't really count for anything? You know what else doesn't help that? When a first seed goes and loses in the first round. Yep. Like, exactly. so. I think it's all a tough balancing act. That's my rambling answer, honestly. Might be thoughtful to some. It might be complete, you know, nonsense to someone else. That's what I've got, Jordan. What do you got? Um, I do think that if your team is not playing well or not playing up to potential, that always frames how you look at the season as a whole. I think the Bucks have underplayed their potential clearly i think that is a large part portion the only the only season where i can compare this level of frustration was a recent memory it was 2017 18 jason kids last year didn't even see it out joe prunty filled it in and just i mean honestly kind of, 2016 17 is up there too well, it wasn't up. it is up there but it was it, it, it is different because that was the season that we learned that Giannis was like, oh, that is, that's who it is. 2015-16 might actually be worse. That was another level, but... These are different times, though. We didn't expect ourselves to be back being like, hey, is this season as bad as those I didn't. Seasons? I never thought that they could contend in the way that they could. I thought they could win. You know what I mean? At the same time, for this season... I don't currently think this is the case, but they could still contend. But I think there was probably a time where we would never have imagined them contending in a way that was quite as devoid of fun as this actually yeah. is. You know, <laughs> to look at a roster with these players and be like, well, it could actually click still. Like, all it would take is to click at the right time, and these guys could beat anyone, no matter where they're seated. But the reality of it has just been so far from any kind of fancy idea of which we did for years it was like Dame and Steph Curry were the two guys it's like imagine Giannis playing with those guys turns out it sucks 
sometimes reality sucks, sometimes reality doesn't match what you envision and i just think i i really do think to kind of jump off of your point of things in government psyops nfl a point go on i do think we have just watched a lot of basketball and it was a way to continue like everything's moving on no nothing's stopping this train do you, do you and... think that's more true though like when you say we that applies for us that applies i think for books fans like Tristan Horst, who've been around for this journey. Like, is this somewhat a natural part of an extended contender cycle, too? Yes. Oh, yeah. Maybe I, maybe I, even what we're seeing on the court is as well. Now, whether they can come out of that tailspin and get I mean, a few years of fun remains to be seen, but... They were a contender for five years under Mike Budenholzer. And some years they did not go as far as we thought. Some year, one year in particular, they went farther than anybody else did. And that just takes a lot out of you. That's a lot of high-level, intense basketball. And the fact that last summer was the longest break that any player had had since basically COVID started, that's three years. And... You're not I'm not expecting the Bucks to finish their season in April every year. They have not even this year where things have not gone to I Adam's making faces as I make this point. Uh, well, I don't expect it every year, but I mean it happened last I, year. I wouldn't rule it out this year right now. No. But I, I do think again, there's just a natural toll of what happens. There there is a reason why the Bucks made a trade to go after Damian Lillard and try to kind of kickstart the next three to four years of, of whatever you want to call this, this era of contending. But Damian Lillard has a lot of miles on his belt. There's five players left from the championship team, which is still, that's astonishing to me. As much as like really like seven of those players really ultimately matter to that championship team in the long run. It is still crazy to me that there's only five players left on the Bucks now from when they won the title, not even three years ago yet. And that's just a lot of basketball. Giannis Brook. I was just counting through seven. I was like, hey, Justin Jackson's been... Actually, sorry, six. He's been talking a lot about the experience of winning the championship, but I don't think he makes the seven. Six! Yeah. TA. I'm not entertained that right now. Um, I don't even know what to do with that. The way, like, right? TA has become, like, the center of the NBA internet. Um, don't, don't know what to do with that element of that. I guess the final part on this is. There is so much to be said for a season where winning 42 games is like a cause for joy and great celebration. And I will always be adamant that a franchise that's there with genuine reason to believe that is the start of an upward trajectory 
there are not many places better to be. And we did get lucky enough to be there, get the joy out of those kind of seasons, and then get the joy on the way up and up and up. I think that's part of we have been on this. It hasn't been entirely linear. There have been some drop-offs in there, but we have been on this climb, and they reached the summit. And then you're just stuck at the top. It's like, it's what you got to do every year. Yeah. It leaves no room for joy. <laughs> you can no. only have joy in June. Otherwise, it's a miserable season. Yeah, it's it's really... It's when winning is the expectation. Not even the expectation, but the only acceptable outcome. Yes. I asked uh, on our crossover, I asked, and I never really followed up on it because we were going quite long probably at that point. But I was like, Ty and Ron, what to you is? And they were like, anything other than a conference finals loss to the Celtics is really disappointing. And I'm just like, I'm not there because I just don't think this team's that good. But that is like, that's where you come into a season at right now. And there's just no room for anything less than that. And honestly, even to start a season, none of us would have been saying that. <laughs> like, anything other than the finals is unacceptable you're like not not in a way that is kind of self-inflicted but that's just it is setting yourself up for yeah. misery and failure misery yeah from at c keller 141 do you think doc makes any adjustments to the rotation post all-star break mainly cutting down bobby porter's and pat Conton minutes i think the rotation might just keep changing like, unless you find something that works, probably going to keep changing to some extent. I, my concern, honestly, would be that the rotation gets very heavy on Patrick Beverly and Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are probably ready for that with how Pat and Bobby are playing, too. I can't that is. Um, but whether they still feel that way by the end of the season, I don't, I don't know. The thing with Pat and Bobby that I will always say is it is possible for them not to be what they have been this season to be closer to what they've been in the past. And we have seen that. And I don't necessarily think with either guy, there is reason to think that's just past them. They could just be having a real down year. If the rotation skews more towards guys who are 35 years of age. I would have concerns about that because they're not generally the profile of guys who might just be having a down year. They are the guys who are reaching the low point of their professional career. They're ready to be done. And it's just, it's not a knock on anyone. It's just, this is how father time works. So I think you continue to change things because you got to find something that works and he hasn't found that yet. But boy, oh boy. I don't know what it'll be. We'll see also where the younger players factor into this. Again, Gallinari being added does not inspire great confidence for me that our young wings are going to see more minutes. Because just where where and what kind of lineups... How else is the rooster going to fly? 
I just, I also just don't know where and how you play him with the other players available. I have no idea. It's like, I really like what, what kind of lineups. I guess that's it. That's it. You see the other three positions. <laughs> From an MK, Robert, following the All Star break, are the books doomed or are they back? Uh, they will be back, as in back in action. Um, they may be doomed when it comes to winning an NBA championship. I see no reason for them to be back. Like they've gotta they've gotta prove they're back before I would declare they're back. And as I've said, that would not be oh my god, look at this one performance against a good team. You gotta see you go put five straight together or like I don't know, go eight and two over ten games or something. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's possible that uh, I'm I have no doubt it's possible. No 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 it's... no wait, wait. Okay. It's possible that the Milwaukee Admirals are just winning, taking all the wins for everybody. They've won 17 straight games. Wow. That's not a lie. I haven't even heard about this. No. That's bad. Why? Like, I know I am not in Milwaukee, but my Twitter feed is pretty attuned to all things Milwaukee sports. I I get the hierarchy. I get all the reasons. But at that point, it feels like that should be really making some noise. Is there... Is there a record in sight? Is there a Lakers esque, you know, number off in the distance to be chased? I don't know. I don't know NHL history. But let me let me see if I can quickly, um, quickly find that. I mean, what I will say with apologies to the Admirals is I don't think that would be a trade off that most, you know, citizens of Milwaukee would make. The longest winning streak in AHL history is 28 games Jeez. achieved <laughs> by the Norfolk Admirals in the 2011-2012 Oh. So the Admirals are chasing the Admirals. It's not a team, Jordan. Who are now the goals? I mean, we can we can get lost in AHL don't, history. Don't get me started on seagulls at another time. That's right. Kind of wish your city's team was the goals. That would be good. Yeah. Um, if you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, JJ Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. From a Hinduist 1190842, is it over? No, there's still basketball. <laughs> Did it not finish from the books on the championship? Uh, the NBA did not heed, Adam Silver did not heed my warning. Little does everyone know that the now approaching three years as the books won the NBA championship are just basically the ending of Lost. Thus, we're all just living in the ending of Lost. Yeah. We have to go back. Well, not to. Cheryl Crow was a prominent character, a natural. Someone to play off of the rooster. Haven't haven't heard much about her recently. She was at a game this year. This I year, remember her, I remember Just her one? sitting next to Wes Edens. Was it like early, early? It was for the warm Griffin, I don't Griffin remember. Might have. might have been there. Okay. Okay. She's been in more games than me this season. I can't call her at that. <laughs> From a cowboy space, which bench player is the most important in your mind for the postseason? Assume whatever you want with Chris's health. Gonna go with the answer I gave to a different question earlier. It doesn't yeah. fill me with great confidence. I think it's Jay Crowder. Could be Patrick Beverly, but I'm gonna need to see more of that. I hope to God it's also... Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I, I play... just like there's something about Patrick Beverly, and it's there's a. I know what he brings. I know there is a charisma. There's a gravitas. Jay Crowder, before he got to Milwaukee, was pouting and didn't play basketball. Patrick Beverly was asking for campaign to finish his physical so he could play with the Bucks a day after he traded. Who really wants it? That's how he could then start like trashing his Sixers theme within a week on his podcast, which is also the preeminent source for breaking news in the NBA. Yeah. So tell me, who really wants it? I was watching the new Giannis documentary before we recorded this, and you'll hear more on that on this podcast soon. Um, And it's just funny when you see clips from the finals, and you just see Giannis like destroying Jay Crowder. Yeah. And and honestly, <laughs> has he been the same since then? No. Not really. 
his team the next year got blown up by the Mavericks in a closeout game. I like to the point too. We I made a joke about like the kind of books figures who are doing podcasts talking about that series. But honestly, maybe the most interesting one is uh, Mikael Bridges talking in the last week about it and how they just were like, oh, it's a team for the East. Like, he may be, Bridges may be one of the least broken players from that Suns team at this point. Like, people who've gone on to not be, to not completely fall off the place they were at that time. Booker. And Booker's obvious, but I mean, even... Booker was at a level then that I'm not sure he's quite at this season. I know the Suns are having their own kind of books moment, but they don't have a championship to show for it. So, hate to be you, Phoenix fans. Probably Cowboy Space again. Was it going to take for Giannis to win his third MVP this year? I think the books have got to really collectively help help their teammate out and leave a mark in the final stretch of the season. Like the books might need other... to go win 15 straight or something and grab all the headlines for how good they are and get the eyes on Yas. For every other candidate to not qualify for the games played, Mark. <laughs> it's already, There's it's no real struck. risk of that happening, though. Is there, no. Like Embiid no. is the only one that was ever. I mean, there, of course, there's a risk someone could still get injured, but knock on wood. We're not wished that anyway. I just. I think it's very hard. The Jokic thing is one thing. I think if the Thunder keep like doing what they've largely done throughout the season, thirty-seven and seventeen, uh, I think it's tough from a narrative perspective from to overtake Shea Gilders Alexander. So I think he needs to bring his team into a run. That puts his own case to relevance. That's yeah. what my answer would be. Um, from Atitopoulos, do you think every game being available to everyone has led to the terrible all-star game? Most people say the money, but I think back when guys maybe play three national games a year, they showed out more at the all-star game to try and make a name for themselves, get all NBA considerations. It is an interesting point. Maybe it makes players feel like the novelty is less and makes them less inclined to, I don't know, it's... Maybe it feels different to when Magic and Bird would end up against each other in an All-Star game and in, you know, the highest stakes games of a season with the Lakers and Celtics. Because at that time, in their downtime, you know, Magic probably wasn't crunching bird tape and firing up league pass to see what the Celtics were doing where there probably are some players who do that kind of stuff now or just even in a much looser way have a greater awareness they could be I don't know scrolling on their phone and they see highlights from elsewhere around the league like maybe that part of it leads to some crossover I do just think it's just a bigger thing I think it's it is reflective. I think it's interesting. We had that conversation earlier and we get a question like this one. I mean, we also got the question from our trust and Horst about, you know, is this the worst NBA regular season in a long time? Because when people are like, why does the all-star game suck? And they're like, why does the regular season suck? 
<laughs> then at a certain point, it's so not really just yeah. one or the other anymore, right? It's it's, it's something the with the whole. And to answer that too, it's like to put a definitive answer is this the worst NBA regular season? There were times during the Bucks championship season that I thought that they should not be playing NBA basketball. So I would say the COVID year would be the worst year, as much as it turned out to be the best year. I I don't know. Like I, the I COVID think year also, turned out to be the best year. In terms of 2020-21. Oh, okay. Not the bubble. Not, no, not the bubble one. No. I mean, no. that was actually the worst. Like the bubble was uh the bubble in the moment probably even got some forgiveness for people because there was just this desire for sports to be back. Um yeah, where actually none of that was was it was neither fun or normal. No. It hell it ruined the Bucks cream uniforms. Sure. This I mean that's what took them down. Mm-hmm. Also took George Hill down. It's just unfortunate for him. Um from Mike Suzek. Why? Follow up question. How? We're got a lot of questions kind of along these lines right now. Um I get it. I have why in the house somewhat related. The why is definitely because the books decided to fire Bud and hired the wrong coach as a replacement. So that was always gonna be you fire Bud, you gotta get that hire right. You got it wrong. Um, follow question how in this case the how kind of feels the same as the why I guess to extend the how this is life in the NBA yeah nothing lasts forever and maybe even things that last close for forever might have you know dips along the way gotta hope that's all this is but just it's kind of been a year of I won't say a year of bad decisions because we'll see how everything plays out and whether all things prove to be that way, but haven't necessarily been the right decisions so far. And they have not had be... a guiding light. Or they have, but it's been Guiding them in the wrong direction. Perhaps. The light is malfunctioning. I think that's what we can agree on. It's LED. Oops. <laughs> we'll be less likely to malfunction. But look, yeah. we'll, we'll just go with it. From what Steve Pelly, is Pat Connaughton just a Schmidt now? No, I don't, don't think so. That comp no. probably isn't. Most like for like, but needs to be better, needs to work it out. I kind of hope Pat Connon was one of the people who was already in Cabo because he might need to just reset and get back there. Like, that's that's the other thing with Doc kind of like clouding on his guys for that. That was another Doc quote that he had. They they may just there could be quite a few players that his approach could just as easily have been. Right? That's not done. Let's forget about that. Everyone go reset and we come back here and we start fresh. Yeah. 
seems like he's possibly taking a different tack. We'll find out. They don't call him Cabo Connison for nothing. From Discord users, we've got Pizzle. Which Brewer player seems like the best basketball player? Andrew and I recorded an episode of Cruising for a Bruising earlier where we were talking about Sal Freelick getting work in the infield and that kind of translated into him being an incredibly talented hockey player um, Andrew pulled up his high school football stats and we couldn't exactly pin down that moment whether he had a 53 touchdown season as a quarterback or whether that was his entire career, but it seems like he was a pretty good high school quarterback. I don't know if he played basketball at all, but just maybe based on if he was good at all the other sports, Al Freelix maybe him at a chance. My gut instinct, though, is... I think Joey Weimer, not entirely because he doesn't look unlike it, I don't know. A Chase Budinger kind of character. I think I think Joey Weimer could could possibly be a factor. Sal Freelick did not play basketball. No, I, I know he didn't, but uh, I'm not I wouldn't say that he couldn't, is what I'm saying. If he could play all the other sports, I'm not gonna put a past the star hockey, baseball, and football player to also be able to play basketball. So you so many true. hours in the day, Jordan. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I feel like there is someone that I'm forgetting, and it'll annoy me when we finish this. That actually does play, or that we know can Garrett play. Mitchell too. Would be pretty, I thought of Garrett Mitchell too. He's, a he's athletic, got good size. Freelix a little too small for my liking in terms of a basketball sense he's a quarterback maybe he could be a point guard he's 5'10 it's not he's you know what he seems it happens like sometimes he might be like a tj mcconnell selfie like is like a tj mcconnell type that's pretty good that is pretty good like that has his use like i i, I picked joey weimer i said he could be the chase budinger like i mean this is the chase budinger famously a multi-sport athlete as well right mm-hmm Volleyball star for people not up into Chase Budinger lore. Um, speaking of lore from Numac, let's play the blame game. God, I said from Numac and you were groaning already. That's your co host of your <laughs> podcast, Jordan. I know where he's going. Totaling 100%, which books, people, players, coaches, front office owners do you feel are most responsible for the book's performance thus far this season? Similarly, totaling 100%, which books people do you feel are needed to show up the most to have any semblance of postseason success? Is this what he's like, Jordan? Is he always looking to get you to blame people and talk to Sundra? Do you want to assign blame? Do you want to, like... I've never, uh... I don't think there's anything less Jordan than assigning blame. Assigning blame. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of. I think people would. I probably wouldn't mention the names, or I would mention the names that people are probably not mentioning. I I'll go with mine. Okay, I would say. I'll split this equally, but the reality is this could be much more 
heavily weighted from one to the other, or we just don't actually know. 50% of the total blame. Scratch that. 51% of the total blame. Lies with John Horst and with ownership. Yes. I would give I think a solid 24% of the blame to Adrian Griffin. You got, I believe, 20. I've got 25 left. I'm going to give 20 to Damian Lillard. And I'm going to split 5% equally between Bobby Portis and Pat Collins. That's where my blame's going. I would probably say 60% goes ownership. Ownership? Yes. Not Horst. Mm, I see I no I... I see no reason to absolve him in the hire. He may not have been the person, although they would push back on that now, and he would push back on that and say he makes these decisions. I honestly I find that more believable at this point too than I would have in the past that he doesn't make the final decision, but that he probably makes recommendation to ownership, which then they just go, Yeah, or no. Um I really don't think he could be absolved from a like it's fair a lion's share of blame this season. I think it's it's impossible. Forty percent Terry Stotts. You knew this was going to happen. Terry. I didn't. You I, I walked I, away. I, you walked away like a coward. Uh, notice how I give zero percent blame, Terry Stutz. <laughs> um, the the flip side is was totally hundred percent. Which people are needed to show up the most to have any semblance of postseason success? I'm going to give one hundred percent to Terry Stutz. That's who needs to show up for postseason success. Uh, fifty fifty, Giannis Stam. No, in all seriousness, I mean, I, I'm. I'll leave Giannis out of it altogether. I trust Giannis. Giannis oh, I trust thing. him, but he also. I but would Doc like Doc Rivers. See... Is, Doc Rivers has got to play a part in this, whether people feel comfortable there or not. So I'd say fifty-fifty. Doc and Doc and Dame. That's what it's about. Giannis is going to do his thing. At this point, he is beyond any doubt, beyond reproach. I don't need to put him. In that, like he's he is showing up already, so I don't need to say he needs to show up. He he is showing up. He's going to show up. There's room for other guys. Again, your Bobby's, your Pats. Brooke could be better. Chris needs to be healthy. I think if it doesn't start with Damian Lillard first and foremost, but then also Doc just getting the ducks in a row. Forget about it. Yeah, I I just think it's not a, an indictment. I don't think I don't my fifty percent going to Giannis is not an indictment. I just think if the Bucks are to have any post All Star break success and playoff success this year, it's Giannis keeping the standard up, and it's an unfair position to put him in because there's much more at stake and much more at play with trying to get the Bucks right that. 
Giannis is putting a lot on himself to fix. But your best players have to play at their best. And if they don't do that, for whatever reason, you still come to that conclusion, you're not going to go far. We we saw that last year. So that's where I'm at. From Tommy, asked on the Bleacher Report, live with Rowan and Ty, but I figured I'd ask here, with Jack telling Dame that he and Giannis have to stop being so nice and that they need to grab people by the neck and tell them what to do, how would you power rank which books need that the most? I'm putting answers earlier. I think Dame needs it the most. I don't know if that's the approach. That's the right approach to take, but I think there's probably some truth to it. I think it's Dame because it needs to come from like the best players of the culture setters at the top. Um, that's where he finds himself. That's his role, but he's not playing well enough and he's not there long enough that he can help to affect the culture in a productive way. And maybe that is also part of what we're seeing kind of trickle down. Yeah. I agree. I, I think I, that is the the biggest way to ingratiate himself with guys that have won championships as few as that has been. And it's not that they don't have a respect for Dave. They know what he brings to the table and everything like that. But I do think the, what Jack said of the kid gloves are still on or more or less to that point is still kind of there. Like it does feel like, Oh, Damian Lillard is still a buck and we're still enamored of the fact that he's a Milwaukee buck, but it does not feel fully that he's immersed within that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I said earlier, like, I don't think this is entirely right or necessarily the right approach for the team. I do think Shaq's got something here, and I do think that perspective is interesting, and he's one of the only people on the planet who could say that to Dame like that because of what him and Kobe went through and because they got through the other side of it. Yep. Um, so it's definitely, that was a really interesting interaction. And honestly, the kind of that you see from Shaq, not entirely unregularly, it's like he does pick his moments, and he speaks pretty openly and frankly, and often with very little... I don't know, self-preservation involved. Like, he's just kind of, he will come and say stuff. Not in the way that some of his TNT colleagues have said stuff with no self-preservation, but in a more productive basketball sense. Yes. Um, what's Doc's uh, relationship like with KG at this point? I believe they have been on, he's been on their podcast or his podcast, whatever. KG. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's not, I don't think, I think Bridges has mended in a lot of ways, except for Bridges were never were never burned, except for then when yeah, when I remember whatever that was, there was some setting where Rondo was basically just tearing Doc apart, and other members of that team were part of the conversation, which I probably still. Um, maybe it's time to bring KG back in, you know some words of wisdom of practices. I'm not even entirely joking with this stuff. Like I do think someone like Shaq saying that is impactful. You're trying to work out ways. This is not just any team. This is not just any collection of players. It's like, how can you get to these guys or what's going to get through to them? I don't know. Maybe there are some, some ways that doc can actually draw from the bigger achievements of his past. That one being the biggest. 
you know, the, his equivalent to putting your rings on the table is it's like, well, it's Kevin Garnett. Yeah. And I don't know, just the, actually like real top provoking stuff from Shaq, just in terms of him coming out and saying it like that. And I guess the kind of unspoken or underlying element is that someone like Shaq still sees this team as being able to just work it out based on the talent. Like it's if you're that level of star and you've been in a duo like this, it's not quite working and you've got to work out a way to fix it. We can talk all we want, but someone like Shaq who's been there. Yeah. He can still just understand this is what you need to do and this is how you fix it. And it's possible. Which is interesting in its own right. Very. La last, but by no means least, although I don't know how substantive an answer I can promise for this one. Not because it's not a good question, but because, you know, something's got to be kept close to the chest, Jordan. From a kelp 413. What books moment or season outside of the championships and inaugural season would you most like to watch a documentary or movie on? Oh, Kelp. No, I think Kelp's being a little bit clever here. He's just being like outside of the championships and inaugural season. He's trying really hard to get an answer. Um, I all I also don't want to. I don't want to give anyone else who might be listening the opportunity to do things that you know we've talked about. We've talked about. Mm hmm. I have a moment that I've talked about in the podcast. I'm not going to name it now. If, if real ones, real ones, <laughs> real ones will know, Jordan, they might remember. Um, I probably it's not even that long. I think I know, about, but you you definitely know. But uh, yeah. I have a moment that I think would just be a perfect documentary, um, particularly removed from the kind of wider context. But books have a a rich and beautiful history, which is filled with these kind of. A tapestry. Interesting ones, sure. Is there an actual season? I mean, if you want to, we could probably say a season, but... It's, yeah. It, um... <laughs> it's Outside of the championship and the inaugural season. I will say my initial instinct when I saw this, and I didn't even read it correctly, but I was like, if you're to kind of just go to one season, and if I was to think of this in maybe a more detached way that isn't just I'm making a books documentary and wanting to have something celebratory or something. 74 is maybe as a single season. Because you're at you're at the precipice of something too, right? It's there's there's a lot of rich stuff there, which I mean we don't need to talk too much about because we've talked about it before, you know. But that would if I had to go single season, you know, one might argue can't tell the story of seventy four in a single season. Um, that might be the case I'd make there. I, there could be. 2013-14, I mean, you could sure make a documentary about that season. Yeah. The Yijian Lee season, 
Do you know what seasons I wouldn't want to make a documentary about? Well, maybe, maybe there's the time for that. Maybe that would make the best documentary of all. No, any any season that would require George Carl documentary. <laughs> I've just I've had it up to here with that man. His just constant, desperate clutching at attention. Carmelo Anthony don't reply to him ever again. He is irrelevant. He is irrelevant. He's embarrassing himself every day. Don't take the bait. Let's all just forget about George Carl. Just. God, Jordan, where where is the dignity? Look at all those wins you've got. Look at where you've gotten the all-time NBA coaching leaderboards. And you're just here, desperately. Did you see the latest? Sending pictures of Nikola Jokic, the greatest number 15 to ever play in Denver, tagging Mello in the photo. Just, this is embarrassing. Nobody cares, George Carl. Get out of here. Log off. Off. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, yes. I, w- I wonder. Well, he is. like, would you say, uh, say everyone's really happy about that? No, I don't Just, think so. Yeah, I would, I'd say there could be some people who uh, were never in favor of that. No. I would say there could be some people who maybe were and are like, no, I, you know what? I regret that. We shouldn't have let that guy in the club. <laughs> Not in the Hall of Fame. Not going to be in the Hall of Fame this year, Marcus Johnson. It goes on. It's not right. Man's still dunking. 68th birthday. All right. Not in the Hall of Fame, though. And George Carl. George Carl. Do you see Marcus Johnson picking dumb fights with Carmelo Anthony on Twitter? No. No, he's just bringing joy to the people on Twitter. All right, I think that's it. Can I read you the first line of George Carl's bio in on the Basketball Hall of Fame website? When you said bio, I thought it was going to be like a biography or autobiography, and I was concerned, but yeah. I'm not reading Furious George, to be clear. In the simplest of terms and in the most straightforward language, the game of basketball lives in George Carl. I'm just pondering that one, uh, what I might want to say, but I might not want to say. And you know what? We'll just leave it there. We'll leave it there. George Carl, the beating heart of basketball. <laughs> we salute you. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Eurostep Podcast Network. That's the main feed here at GSPN, and it is home to all things Milwaukee Bucks. You get every episode of Winning Six with me and Jordan, and you also get every episode of the Eurostep. Time with Sharon Cuddy. Two books, podcasts, one feed. What more could you want? I'll tell you what more you could want. You might want a Green Bay Packers podcast. And if so, you've come to the right place, because we've also got one of them at GSPN. We'll get you more Jordan Tresky. It will also come with a very significant portion of Numac, and they will have you covered for all things Packers. If you'd also like a little little sprinkling of Milwaukee Brewers in your life, 
of Brandon Woodruff still in your life, back in your life, like he's never been away. Check out Cruising for a Bruising with me and Andrew Snyder. Latest episode is just up. It's up there now. Y'all to listen, celebrate, talk about the return of Woody to the crew. And last but by no means least, if you like movies, pop culture, all that kind of stuff, check out Make Time for This. Again, you'll hear more from myself and Andrew. The moment we're continuing to work through some of our favorite movies of the year, getting ready for Oscars, all that good stuff. Uh, the Zone of Interest episode is up, but next up will be The Iron Claw. So, make sure to check that out. As always, thank you to all of you for this. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.